Howdy folks. We're coming to the end of season one and the next episode is the final battle. And I don't think it will be a short final battle. Also a bit of a misnomer if you don't know what I know, but there you go. I suspect we've only got a few episodes left in us after the second battle of Moitura, but we'll see. I have had a change of plans for the next season of Godacy, as much for research purposes as for content. Anyway, more on season two later. Let's get to Moitura first. Previously on Godacy. The Dagda's return from his Samhain sojourn has revealed the location of the final battle to the Tuatha Dé Danann. In the border area between northern Ulster and western Connacht, they will fight the second battle of Moitura. On the eve of battle, Lu prepares his people with battle plans, knowing that more rides on this battle than mere survival and sovereignty of Ireland. Welcome to Godacy. Episode 24. The Banks of the Unchine. Tomorrow, he told himself. Tomorrow was the day that they would leave Tara and begin the march west. To Connick and to the banks of the Ensheen, where they would meet the Morrigan, and then the forces of the Fomorians under Balor and the Fomorian High King Indek come from the Northern Isles. He should rest. But tensions were high. For him, for everyone. For that reason, he found Bridget at the hearthfire in the central hall of Tara. Couldn't sleep? She turned to him, her face puffy but with a smile. Sit with me, skilled Lou. We have much to discuss, I imagine. Perhaps Nuada will join us when he gets back from his walk. He sat on a separate bench beside hers, loosening the blanket's hold around his shoulders. Bridget was wrapped in her own, a regal wolf's pelt that seemed not to age. In this moment, she certainly seemed older. Not a single hair on her was gray, nor would she ever have a single strand of gray hair. Her skin lacked any evidence of the protraction of age, and though she was a mother, she wore it gracefully. Yet in this moment, Bridget seemed ancient. He will be there, Lou. I do not know how I know this, but I do, and I will find my son there, fighting for the Fomorians. For our mortal enemies, whom I raised him to hate as I do, but his beloved father. I do not understand, Lou. I do not understand where it went wrong with Ruidan, why Brez is so different from you, though you are both half Fomorian. What could he say to that? He did not know why they were so different. An idea, perhaps, but nothing more. He was raised by his Fomorian father, in part. Ilatha was influential to Brez, and the honorable Child of Danu side of him has to honor his father regardless of his worth. Though, of the Fomorians, Ilatha alone knows the meaning of loyalty and honor, even if that means killing Balor's triplet grandsons, or trying at any rate. I... I was not raised among our people. Only Gavita instilled in me our values. Instead, I had Taltu's tutelage. I think more than anything made a difference. For I do not agree with much of the Tuatha Dé Danann's behavior. The blood feud, the Sovereign Queen's insistence on purity and perfection of form to rule. Nevertheless, I would rather side with them than not. They are my people against all odds, but my Uncle Mick was right. Tomorrow, when we see my grandfather, I don't know what I am to do, Bridget. In any other situation, I should seek recompense, but I cannot because he is the head of our clan. 
He can harm us all as he sees fit, and while I can kill Turian and his sons through negligence and revenge for my father's murder, I cannot avenge my uncle against my grandfather? Where's the justice in that? Bridget nodded her head, sighing. Our laws are not always in the best interest of those they serve, but they keep the social cohesion of our people. I do not like it either. My brother is a foolish man, driven by ego. If I could trade Dean Set for Turian, I would in a heartbeat. For Mick, I would have done it already and not looked back. Dean Set will pay for his crimes in time. Neither of us will be a part of that, but Lou... He realized he had taken the conversation away from her, from her troubles, in an attempt to make her feel better. He had made it about himself. We will find Ruidin. The only part of the battle I am required for is the killing of Balor. The rest I will spend at your side, searching for Ruidin and keeping your son safe. But he may try to kill us. Will you be ready for that, Bridget? Bridget laughed. He has a warrior's heart, but he cannot hurt me. That was not Lou's concern. Through the open door he came, a beam of light in the darkness. Wrapped in his own pelt of mink, Nuwata's silver hand glistened in the pale light of the waning moon. He looked as haggard as Lou felt, but seemed surprised to see Lou. Something about his face told Lou that something was amiss. Did you have a good walk, my lord Nuwata? said Bridget, not standing. He came and placed a hand on her shoulder and then moved opposite the fire from Lou, sitting down. As good as I could hope to. I received a message via Raven from the Dagda. He says Indek has arrived ahead of schedule, but that the Dagda met a witch, a virgin he knows not, who he has convinced to use her magic against the Fomorians. They will seek from us tribute, and to keep us alive to work the land. Better that we die to the last child than give them a single grain more, said Bridget, her passion burning. The fire before them grew in strength, despite the lack of wood. A wintry wind came in. Voices came with it. Lou realized Nuwata had not been alone outside. Bridget and Nuwata shared a glance, and Lou wondered its meaning. Since none of us are inclined to sleep as we should, I will say this. Tomorrow we ride to Brunavoin to gather the last of the half of our forces and to become enchanted by the Well of Slan. Then we ride west to Connick, where the other clans will meet us along with the Dagda and the Morrigan. And this, by the Sovereign Queens, we shall have this battle. I tire of waiting for it. Not for the love of battle, but for the love of what comes next. It was then that Lou grew nervous, fearing the outcome. Only he was guaranteed to survive. Not even Bridget or the Morrigan were certain. What could he do about that? Did the leaders of the clan accept my plan at the meeting earlier today? Nawada nodded. They did, Lou. The charge will be a strong one, and your spear will make the difference in battle. I look forward to implementing it. Another look to Bridget. Lou was beginning to grow concerned. Now, though we cannot sleep, I suggest we at least try or give pretense to trying. I shall go forth to my room, and I suggest you two do the same. Rest well, Queen Bridget. Lou. Nuwata left the room, and Bridget rose. Don't ask me, Lou. I know you noticed. He will tell you when he is ready. Do not be upset with him. His reasoning is sound. Good night to you, Lou. With that, his great-aunt was gone, and Lou was alone by the fire, which seemed to die. They left Tara with the first light of dawn. If people had slept, they did not show it. 
everyone lumbered slowly north across the frosted plains to Slan, where they were greeted by the procession of healers with Dian set at its head, his hair mad with stress but a smile on his face. Aramid was there too, her smile thin as the procession arrived. Only the children had been left behind, but the elderly who could not fight. Anyone of age, perhaps just below, in some cases, were brought, for this was to be the end of them all if the battle failed. I welcome you, King Nawada, Queen Bridget. The Well of Slan is complete. It was impressive. Lou could not deny it. A round circular hole in the hill was surrounded by a steadily increasing incline upward, with what looked like a pool in the center, completely black in color. One could sit upon the edge of the pool, but most of the healers were in the circle, chanting lowly. Aramid presented Bridget with a cauldron of the black water. Dean Set gave instructions. Take this. Everyone not present will need to have this placed on their forehead by one of your druids. You, sister, I should think. He barely looked at his sister, too caught up with his own achievement. Aramid placed a lid on the cauldron, and Bridget gave it to one of her handmaidens, who stored it in one of the horse-drawn wagons. Everyone present can receive their mark now. He snapped his finger, and one of the healers came forth with a brush of horsetail hair and a bowl of water. What does it do, Dean Set? What are the mechanics of this experiment? Nawada did not seem amused. Anyone who is touched by the waters of the well will be connected to it for a full moon. No more, no less. Any, except for the most egregious wounds, decapitations, loss of limb, bludgeoning to a pulp, can be healed, or at least delayed until it can be treated. If you receive a stab wound from a spear, your body will react as if nothing has happened for some time, so long as your internal organs are not too damaged. It will give our healers a chance to treat them in the days and weeks after the battle. More to that point, it will keep our warriors fighting in the battle. The murmuring in the procession was a positive one, but Nuada seemed skeptical. Nevertheless, he submitted to the healer's brush, and soon they all did. The black water dissipated upon use, and soon they were all marked, even though they numbered in the thousands. We will be performing a ritual at the time of the battle to ensure the magic is working. The more are injured, the more we will be strained. With our magic, we can keep it going. Dean Set was practically giddy with himself. He did not wait for a response, instead walking to the well, looking at it, studying the Ogum characters on each stone, the spirals, the context. Lou could see a pattern to it, understood. He came up with it, didn't he? Dean Set turned to Lou, studying him carefully. Mick, my Uncle Mick, came up with this. Dean Set did not respond. He did a brilliant job. May we all remember his contributions. With that, Lou led Inbar and Felinus away, and soon the procession followed behind Nuada. They all did. Lou felt that was punishment enough. At a brisk pace, it took roughly a week for them to march across Ireland. No Fomorians were met. They, like the Tuathiri Danan, had been called to their lords, prepared for battle. The Unsheen was not at wide crossing, and certainly not deep. It was there that the other procession was waiting for them. It was there that the Dagda stood, tall and strong and overly large, and beside him was Net, the god of war, coming to battle. And at the center of it all were the three that were one, the Morrigan had come. The Dagda let out a strum of his harp, and the whole host of the Tuatha Dé Danann was present at last, all in one place. There were just over 6,000 in total, as Ogma had said. 
At the center of the procession, Nawada gathered the leaders, and all could hear him. But Lou was there, too, and it was to Lou that they all looked. This was his field. This was his time. Children of Danu, we ride to what may yet be our doom, and Ireland will forever be in ruins. But we may yet become the owners of this land, this land that is ours by blood and by right. Now we must prove that right. But what have you brought to battle, if not your wits and your arms? What else have you brought for us? He turned, spear of us all plain for all to see. He hoisted it in the air and then brought it down, pointing it to Gavita, who seemed suddenly surprised. Gavita, Smith, what have you to offer at Moitura? Gavita was quick to answer. That's a simple thing. I have made more weapons in these past months than the Fomorians can make in a year. In this battle, I shall make more than Dolv, the Fomorian smith, and my arms will never yet break before their lines. A cry came from the host of the children of Danu. Lu went on. And you, Ogma, champion of the court of Nuwada, what do you offer at Moichura? Ogma was quicker still. A simple thing. I am more than a match for King Indek and shall prove it by overcoming his guards and the king. A third of the battle will be won by my hand with his death. Another cry went out. And you, Corprimek Etain, bard of the court, what do you offer at Moichura? The bard grinned, a lovely thing to Lou. Quite a simple thing. My words will drive them out of their minds, and with their loss of lucidity, we shall overcome their ranks. Another cry went out. Which is Bekul and Dinanan, whom I am yet to meet, but have heard often of. What do you offer at Moitura? The sisters were red-haired and strong, dressed in the white of the druids. Looking to each other, they answered in unison. We offer this simply. The stones and trees and grass, the land itself, will move against them, and the Fomorians will tremble before our power. Lou was impressed. The crowds cheered. Sorcerers of the Tuatha Dé Danann, what do you offer at Moitura? The crowd of sorcerers answered, A simple thing. We shall throw them off their feet, and there they will be slain. We will sap away their strength but to a third, and make their bodies sore from discomfort. Cupbearers of the court, what do you offer at Moitura? Near Nuwada, the members of his court spoke loudly. A simple thing. We will make them thirst, and they will find no water to sate that thirst. Druids of Oak and Glen, what do you offer at Moitura? The siege weapons they brought with them would answer enough. A simple thing. Their faces will burn, and they will be unable to look up from the pain, and there we will slay them. Lou pointed his spear at his great-grandfather, the Dagda, who laughed. Archdruid and chief of our people, the Dagda, what do you offer at Moitura? The Dagda lofted his club into the air and growled. I offer this simple thing. I fight for all good folk of Ireland, and under my club the Fomorians and their horses shall be ground to dust and strewn to the winds of the world, lost forever. A cry higher than any. Morrigan, Battlecrow, Screamer, Phantom Queen, what do you offer at Moitura? Maka answered first. A simple thing. I bring pursuit. Banva answered next. A simple thing. I bring death. Nev answered last. A simple thing. I bring subjugation. A prophecy, Lou knew. The host cheered, and Lou was glad for it, but he needed to know what was meant by their prophecy. The host had been whipped up into a frenzy, and Bridget came closer to Lou, taking his arm and speaking to her grandnephew. You have riled them into the courage of a whole score of fighters. We will fight stronger today than we have ever fought before now. Stay with me, Lou. Remember your promise. He would not forget. 
He promised that he would, and it was in that moment that Lou felt he had made a mistake. Nawada came, and from Lou he took the spear, embracing him. When he let go of Lou, Lou realized what Bridget had done and why Nuwata had taken his spear. We agreed, Lou. The leaders all agreed that you are the most important of souls here. You are our strategist. You are our greatest warrior. When I fall, as I am sure I will, we will need a new leader, a new vision. You are the leader that will take us into the new era. For that, I cannot have you fighting. Lou began to protest, but Bridget, behind him, spoke. Remember your promise. You are bound to me, Lou of the Long Arm. This gish I place upon you. You will only fight at Moichura if two crowns have fallen. He said nothing more, and soon the procession was crossing the Ensheen. The battle had begun. Moichura had begun, and Lou was forbidden from joining it. Goddessy is written, researched, and produced by Greg Wright. Additional writing and editing by Sidney Yeager, who brings pursuit, death, and subjugation to a knife fight. Music by Scott Buckley who can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au or on Patreon, where you can support his Creative Commons music. Goddessy can be found at Patreon as well. You can get early access to episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and help me make decisions for future seasons and episodes of the podcast. Want to reach out to us? Check us out on social media, where we've been sharing any dank memes about mythology that can be found. Like the one where Chiron is the centaur for disease control, and all that good stuff. Goddessy updates every Monday. See you next week.